At the end of last week, Danny Manning became the second assistant coach to be named to Kenny Payne's staff at Louisville. We'll talk about that hire and more on this episode of the Locked On the Louisville podcast. Stay tuned. You are Locked On Louisville, your daily podcast on the Louisville Cardinals. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, everyone? Welcome into another episode of the Locked On the Louisville Podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Pence. I want to take this time, as always, to personally thank you for making us your first listen of the day. And just a reminder, the Locked On Louisville Podcast is free on all streaming services, five days a week, your team every day. For those who are not aware of who I am, I serve as a credential media member for Cardinal Sports Zone. I also do some PA announcing work for the university in various sports. Today's episode will be basketball-centered. We will begin talking about Danny Manning getting introduced as the second assistant coach on Kenny Payne's staff at Louisville and talk about why that was a huge hire for the first-time head coach. We will then transition into Brandon Huntley-Hatfield, the Tennessee transfer Cut his list recently, and Louisville made the cut. We will discuss what he could bring to the Cardinals front court. And then to wrap the show up, we will talk about the women's basketball team adding a big-time transfer in Florida State's Morgan Jones and what she brings to the program. We'll start out talking about Danny Manning. And if you've been following along on social media, I think that everyone kind of knew that there was some type of coaching news coming at the end of last week. All throughout last week, um, the talk was, okay, Nolan Smith is, or Nolan Smith was one of those hires that a lot of people saw coming. Um, It seemed like it had been predicted for, you know, quite some time, you know, right when Kenny Payne got announced, even before Kenny Payne was announced, Nolan Smith was rumored to be on that staff. So when he was hired as the first assistant onto Kenny Payne's staff, well, there wasn't really much surprise. Now, that's where the, I guess you could say, the predictability went out the window. Because, you know, it's been rumored that Kenny Payne works in silence. Um, You know, a lot of the stuff that he does isn't really you know, put out there for the media to pass along. I guess you could say if that makes sense. Um, you know, basically saying that um, recruiting-wise and, and staff hires and stuff like that, you're not going to hear a lot about a lot about it from the media um, because there are not a lot of leaks in the program and stuff like that. So it seemed like the general consensus was that many Louisville fans thought it was going to be Milt Wagner that got the second assistant spot and the third assistant spot was an unknown. However, Friday morning, you know that still was the case. It seemed like Milt Wagner was going to be that second assistant announced at noon on Friday afternoon, about 30 minutes before the press conference or so, maybe an hour. Danny Manning's name started to float around through media circles and uh, very quickly, the news came out before the press conference that Danny Manning, the longtime Kansas assistant and former um, head coach of Wake Forest, was joining Kenny Payne's staff as the second assistant. And I have to say, this is a huge hire for Kenny Payne in his first year as a head coach for a couple reasons. Number one, and I think that um, 
Well, you kind of go back to the the press conference between you know or between the uh, press conference of Kenny Payne's introductory press conference, Nolan Smith's press conference, and now Danny Manning's press conference. Kenny Payne has really held true to um, you know his criteria and what his priorities are when he's looking for an assistant coach. He's looking for a coach that has a passion and um, helping. Uh, student-athletes reach their goals, helping them to become not only better players but better people as well, um, and just have a passion for um, just overall helping student-athletes grow their respective games. So it, it was obvious with the way that Kenny Payne was discussing Danny Manning was that he views him in the same light that he does Nolan Smith, and that is a, a terrific ambassador or a you know, potential terrific ambassador for this program and a person that really has his priorities straight when it comes to uh, being a coach and, uh, you know, teaching young men and stuff like that. So ultimately, you know, there was some concern, I guess you could say, um, you know, a little bit of like, what, why? And I think that that really stemmed from the fact that Danny Manning didn't necessarily have a, a great tenure at Wake Forest, um, spent what, seven seasons from 2014 to 2020 um, in Winston-Salem. Didn't necessarily work out. Spent the previous two seasons at Tulsa. But before that, from 2003 to 2012, he was an assistant at Kansas. And he joins um, both Kenny Payne and Nolan Smith as a coach that has won a national championship as a player, a national championship as a coach and drafted in the first round of the NBA draft. So when you're trying to sell the dream of, hey, I can get you from you know being a collegiate athlete and help you to achieve your goals of going to the NBA, you know, it, it, I feel like it's it would be a lot easier to do that or maybe um, you know young student athletes have the um, you know have you know, less concerns when it comes to trusting you because, you know, you've been there, you know, you were a student athlete, you've been in their shoes, you've won a national title as a player, all three of you have, you've won a national title as a coach, and you've made it to the National Basketball Association. I'm not saying that other coaches can't uh, be trustworthy, but I'm saying, you know, and I feel like it would it would be a little easier to trust a, a guy that has been there that's been like, hey, I've done that. I've, you know, won a national title, both as a player and a coach. I've been to the NBA. I've gotten there. I know what it takes to get there. So, um, you know, Kenny Payne being a player developer uh, of big men to now add Danny Manning onto the coaching staff, that that's huge to have as a an All-American, one of the best players to play at Kansas, which is one of the blue bloods of college basketball. Um, you know, it's it's hard to look past what Danny Manning has done in his career, both as a player and as a coach. He's won a national title under Bill Self, learned under one of the best coaches um, to ever coach the game of basketball. So ultimately, I think the fact that Danny didn't necessarily have the greatest, um, you know, levels of success at Wake Forest, I think that's getting a little bit overblown. Look, I get it. It's not necessarily ideal when you look at things, you know, you know, uh, calling a spade a spade and saying, look, he just didn't necessarily work out uh, at Wake Forest. And I think that that's the point that I'm trying to get across is sometimes, um, you know, there's a lot of factors that go into, you know, being a head coach and uh, certain situations. And I'm not saying that Danny Manning could not make a good head coach 
at a different stop. Uh, sometimes guys are not necessarily meant to be head coaches. Like I said, not saying he's not meant to be a head coach. It just didn't work out. And, um, you know, he's a great recruiter, uh, helped a handful of big men at Kansas from Sasha Khan and Cole Aldrich to Darnell Jackson, the Morris twins, and uh, Jeff Withy. So, you know, the uh, the body of work is there with the way that he's helped various big men at Kansas be able to make the NBA. Um, you talk about Olivier Saar at Wake Forest, um, John Collins at Wake Forest as well. Guys that, um, you know, have seen a ton of development uh, in their respective games over their time in college. So I think that this is a great hire for a handful of reasons. Number one, you have a a guy that's won on every level, you know, he's, um, you know, one is a coach, he's one as a player, one national titles as both. Um, you know, he's gotten drafted into the NBA. He was very successful as a player. You know, you get that expertise in terms of instruction. You have Kenny Payne, who's been revered as a great uh, big man developer. Now you add Danny Manning to the mix, and that itself is, um, you know, a, a heck of a of a of a sales pitch in recruiting is hey. If you're a big guy, why not come to Louisville where you can learn from some of the best? Um, you know, the recruiting aspect of it, he's helped Kansas uh, in the past when he was on the Jayhawks coaching staff, at, you know, a very solid recruiter. Um, and not to mention having a coach with head coaching experience on a staff for a coach that has not yet been a head coach yet. I know that was a little bit... Um, that was a, a good amount of stuff to unpack in the way that I worded that. But for a first-year head coach that, um, you know, hasn't been a head coach before, adding a guy that maybe not necessarily had a ton of success, but he has been a head coach and let alone been a head coach at the Power 5 level in the conference that you're going to be playing. So, you know, being able to have that leadership and that, you know, mentorship for Kenny Payne on this journey is huge. But I love this hire. For a handful of reasons, um, Kenny Payne, yo, this is this was this one was out of left field. He pulled a rabbit out of a hat, um, which a lot of people rumored that Kenny Payne would operate in that fashion of you know you don't necessarily hear about stuff. There are no leaks until it's you know ready to be announced. So um, great hire. Um, Nolan Smith was an A+. I think Danny Manning was an A+. I'm very interested to see who the third member of the coaching staff is going to be. So we will discuss that when the time comes. But for now, we'll transition into another transfer that has included Louisville in his list cut. Tennessee big man Brandon Huntley Hatfield entered the portal and has now trimmed his list down to five. The Cardinals have made that list. Uh, the question now is, how big or how solid of a chance do the Cardinals have? And if he were to come to Louisville, well, what does he bring to the Cardinals front court? We will answer both of those questions here in a second after we talk about our friends over at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of the bets, betting stats and sports info. Find all of the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of the Major League Baseball season. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sporting wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline is where the game starts. 
Hey, Cardinal fans, thanks again for making Locked on Louisville your first listen every day. I uh, made the announcement a couple times last week, starting Thursday, April 28th. Tune in to Locked on NFL Draft's live coverage of the 2022 NFL Draft with all three days of real-time analysis from our extensive lineup of experts and insiders. And for those of you dying to know who your team will take, catch Odyssey and Locked on's NFL Mock Draft special hosted by Brian Peacock and former scout Matt, former scout Matt Williamson of the Peacock and Williamson NFL show all week leading up to the first pick. Transitioning, um, staying in men's basketball, but transitioning over into the transfer portal. We talked last week about Broom and McNeil from Moorhead State and West Virginia cutting their lists respectively, but both including Louisville in those list cuts. Uh, Another Transfer that has been talked about a good amount over the weekend and into the beginning of this week is Tennessee big man Brandon Huntley Hatfield, who recently cut his list of five. The Cardinals making that list. All five schools will get a visit from the Tennessee freshman. SMU gets the first visit um, actually going on right now. Auburn will have the 21st through the 22nd. Um, Then Huntley Hatfield will be in town for Thunder over Louisville um, from April 23rd to 24th. He will then go to Arizona State and wrap up his um, visits with Wake Forest from April 25th to April 27th. Now discussing how solid of a chance the Cardinals have here, um, it seems like Auburn is in the lead at the moment. Um, Obviously, having lists or having visits planned and actually taking those visits are two totally different uh, sides of the spectrum. So if um, Huntley Hatfield uh, takes his visit down to Auburn and he leaves, um, you know, he leaves Alabama without committing to Bruce Pearl's program. um, You know, I think that Louisville has a, a very solid chance. We talked about, you know, having Kenny Payne, having Danny Manning on the coaching staff and trying to sell, you know, you know, have the sales pitch of, look, we can get you to the league. We can help you achieve your goals. Uh, we can help you develop your uh, big man skills, your post offense, your post defense, stuff like that. So I think that if I would have to put a probability on it at this point, I'm kind of in like the 30% range just because I don't necessarily have any, any type of inside information. I think that Auburn is the clear cut leader at the moment. But you know, you know, all it takes is for one solid visit to go down, and um, you know, player ends up committing uh, to that school. So, um, you know, you have to not only hope that he doesn't commit right away when he visits Auburn, but number two, you have to, you know, knock the visit out of the park when he does come to Louisville for Thunder over Louisville. But it looks like he's probably going to make all of his visits, considering that there really is no time in between. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's visit after visit after visit after visit as after visit. And I think that he actually probably wraps up all five visits, you know, in a little over a week. So um, it seems like he's trying to make sure that this um, process is thorough, but also goes pretty smoothly and quickly so he can make a decision. So I would assume that he would indeed, um, you know, visit Louisville. So at the end of the day, it really would just depend. Don't really have any type of in, type of insider information here. Um, I know that uh, Marcus Maven of um, you know ninety three nine the Ville, former Louisville great Marcus Maven. Um, you know he has a connection to I believe it's a family member of Brandon Huntley Hatfield's. 
And uh, it seemed like the Cardinals were uh, very involved before he reclassified and committed to Tennessee last summer. So you would think that that would have to bode well for the Cardinals' chances here. Sidney Curry has gone on social media, um, you know, basically, you know, saying, or I, I think probably like supporting Huntley Hatfield um, and, and trying to get him to come here. Um, but in terms of what he would bring to this program and to this front court more specifically, after watching some of the highlight clips and going back and watching some of the postseason games for Tennessee, I think that the stat sheet and or I guess the season statistical averages don't necessarily tell the full story of the impact that Huntley Hatfield had for the Volunteers and Rick Barnes squad. Um, just a refresher, this season he appeared in 35 games, averaging 12.5 minutes per contest, 3.9 points per game, uh, shooting the ball 45% from the field, um, 15% from three, six, or 60, 59% from um, the free throw line, averaging three rebounds per contest, three blocks per contest. Um, so statistically speaking, not necessarily a ton that you know jumps off the page. Um, he did start the last 13 games for the Volunteers after um, you know Tennessee had some injuries in the front court to their um, starting big man. Um, but when I watched some season highlights from the beginning of the season and from where he was at the end of the season, it was evident that he got more comfortable as the year went along. Um, I think that Huntley Hatfield has a ton of potential on both ends of the court. Um, you know, six foot 10, 200 and in the 245 range. I think that the frame is there. There doesn't there doesn't need to be a lot of work to uh, you know try to add muscle there, considering that the frame is really already NBA ready. Um, but the skill set just needs some refining, needs some polishing because you can tell that the foundation is there. Um, when he gets the ball in the paint, you know I really do like his ability to find the opposing or not the opposing, but usually it seems like with Tennessee he was playing with two big men or you know, himself and another big man. So his ability to be able to pass from big to big, um, you know, high-low action and be able to catch the ball around the free throw line and dump it down into the paint or even kick it out to the corner. He shows the willingness to pass the basketball uh, when he does get uh, his back to the basket, which, uh, you know, you're thinking, okay, well, he passes the ball out of the, out of the paint. What, what's, so, what's the big deal about that? Well, sometimes um, with, you know, collegiate bigs, there's the issue of when they get the ball in the paint, it, you know, it kind of you know serves as a stopgap for the offense. You lose a lot of the cohesive flow, and it's a lot of um, individual one-on-one -on -one isolation, trying to um, you know either outstrengthen or you know get a little crafty and, and get to the basket. But I think that Huntley Hatfield, when he realizes that maybe the the shot that he's looking for is not there, he has no. Um, he has no hesitancy to kick the ball out to an open shooter, or even if he's at the free throw line to be able to dump it down low. The most um, encouraging thing about his offensive skill set is he shows the potential that he can hit that um, you know the 18, 20 foot jumper. I'm not saying that next year with this with an off season of um, you know getting developed by Kenny Payne and Danny Manning would have a Gorgie Zhang type impact to where, you know, his go-to uh, move in the half court is that uh, sweet spot jumper at the elbow. I'm not saying that, you know, 
he will have that level of success. But I do think that he has the potential, and he's shown that he can shoot that shot. And not only that, but he can work himself into that shot. So he, what I mean by that is he can, you know, um, you know, pull up off the dribble. He can, you know, serve in catch and shoot situations. So I think that the offensive potential is there. Obviously, it doesn't necessarily match the production at this point, but at this you know stage for the Louisville roster, it seems like you have your starting big man. You know, Sidney Curry is there, so you're looking for guys to fill out the rotation. Um, you know, right now it's it's about finding a backup five. You know, I, I know you have JJ Trainer, you have Jalen Withers, but neither of those guys, in my opinion, are are true. Um, are true. Uh, centers, so to speak. I know it's positionless basketball, but I look at as you know, JJ Trainer is more of a four. Uh, Jalen Withers is a little bit of a hybrid, but with his skill set, maybe a little bit more of a stretch big rather than a, a traditional um, back to the basket, down in the paint type big like Brandon Huntley Hatfield um, projects to be. I think with his strength, with his ability to stretch the floor, and his uh, willingness to pass the basketball, I think the sky is the limit for him. On the offensive side of the court, defensively, um, it's just a matter of um, you know basically allowing the speed to slow down just a little bit more. It, it seems like defensively he has good um, footwork when it comes to defending the post. Um, I like his ability to get out and run in transition, and with his size, his six ten frame, it, it, it's not likely that he's going to be a guy that that gets bullied down low. And could project to be a um, you know an above average shot blocker in the ACC. So next season, you would probably expect Brandon Huntley Hatfield to fit into a rotational role, um, which I, I don't want that to sound like he's going to be playing minim, uh, minimal minutes. I, I do think that he would play a very solid role, um, but ultimately it's going to come down to um, you know where he decides to go. And also Roosevelt Wheeler, we talked about there really only being one decision left to be made for the Cardinals. And, it, you know, Roosevelt Wheeler, it seems like the consensus right now is that he's likely to come back. I know that multiple media members have reported that. Uh, Jeff Green, Jeff Green, Jeff Greer, my apologies, Jeff. Um, he was the first to report that. Um, it, it makes you wonder, is he kind of waiting to see what some other guys excuse me, in the transfer portal are going to decide before making his decision whether to come back or not. Um, I'm not saying he is, just kind of thinking out loud here and speaking my mind. Um, but it would be interesting if the Cardinals had both Roosevelt Wheeler and Brandon Huntley Hatfield. So it'll be interesting to see how these next couple of weeks play out. But nonetheless, Huntley Hatfield would be playing a very solid role here. I love his offensive potential. I think that he is just scratching the surface of the player that he could be on both ends of the court. So it would be a very solid get for the Cardinals, despite what you see from the box score. So we will talk about more transfer news when we get more transfer news. Um, but for the conclusion of the show, I want to switch over to women's basketball, where Jeff Walls's program added a huge transfer in Florida State's Morgan Jones. Now, if you are listening to this audibly, you will hear a couple of um, automated ad reads. If you're watching this on YouTube, obviously you will not hear those. Um, so we will jump right on in to the final segment of the show. And that really is you know, one of the transfers or the caliber of transfers that could be the difference from, you know, 
a Sweet 16 or Elite 8 to a possible Final Four or winning a national title. Florida State's Morgan Jones, um, you to basically call a spade a spade, has been a thorn in the Louisville side for the past couple of seasons. In 2021, the Seminoles, led by Jones, defeated the third-ranked Cardinals in an upset victory for the Seminoles. This past year, Florida State traveled to the Yum Center back in late January. They lost by 13. However, Jones scored 28 points while grabbing six rebounds to go along with that. Um, she shot 11 for 18 from the field. And simply put, the Cardinals did not necessarily have an answer for her. Uh, you know, overall, for the season, this year averaged 13.8 points per game. Uh, 5.7 rebounds per contest, 1.6 assists, one steal, one block, 46% from the field, 77% from the free throw line, but shot 0% from behind the arc. Morgan Jones, um, six foot two senior guard from Jonesboro, Georgia, back to back all ACC first team selection, was also named to the all ACC uh, defensive team for this past season. Um, I think that for Jeff Walls for this upcoming season, it's basically about adding as much talent as you can with the spots that you have you have open. Um, Morgan Jones essentially filled the roster spot that uh, Ramani Parker left when she entered the transfer portal and ultimately ended up at Mississippi State. So, um, you know, simply put, the Cardinals are having to replace a good amount of production. You lose Kiana Smith and a thousand point score. You lose Emily Ingsler, which is one of the heart and souls of the team, um, a do it all Swiss Army knife type of player. You lose a veteran point guard in Chelsea Hall, so you replace a, a good amount. You know, Haley Van Lith is a uh, a star in the making. You have Olivia Cochran and Liz Dixon um, that provide some very solid post minutes down low. Um, you know, and, and multiple other players uh, in a very solid recruiting class. But Morgan Jones, now you have a backcourt running mate that will be slotted into the starting lineup. Um, and what better way to, you know, add to the starting lineup than literally going out and getting one of the best players in the ACC over the past couple seasons? She's going to be a player that utilizes the mid-range a lot. Um, one of the, I guess, weaknesses over the past couple seasons before the team got Emily Ingsler was, um, you know, wing athleticism. Morgan Jones, um, you know, fits what the Cardinals are looking for in that realm. Um, a very, very solid defender, a long defender at six foot two, has a good amount of size, very aggressive around the rim. Um, and not only that, but very, very crafty in the mid range, hits some very tough shots. So, um, I think that when you look at the fit with Haley Van Lith and her ability to space the court, uh, handle the basketball, I think that you're looking at Haley as the probably the number one lead guard on the team next year with Morgan Jones kind of being a secondary ball handler um, in like a 1A, 1B in terms of, uh, you know, offensive creation. But her ability to create her own shot in the mid-range, off balance, get to the rim, um, utilize her size to, you know, um, exploit mismatches and stuff like that. This is a huge addition for Jeff Walls. This is this has the potential, and this is no disrespect to Emily because Emily had a huge um, impact on this team. This is a Emily Ingsler type of impact for the Cardinals in a different way. Um, I think that this team needed some toughness last season. They needed some 
um, post-defense down low. They needed some wing athleticism, a player that was very solid on the defensive end. Emily Ingsler fit that. This upcoming year, however, it, it's like you're needing a little bit more of an offensive um, you know, scoring uh, when, when it comes to assistance, I think that Morgan Jones fits what you need this year, and the impact could be very similar to that of Emily Ingsler's. And what I mean by that is just being exactly what the doctor ordered for the Cardinals. Now, there have been talks about more transfers in the works. Um, if my memory serves me right, Louisville has all 15 scholarships full. Now there has been talk about a player or a couple players entering the transfer portal that are on the team right now. Um, obviously, we'll probably hear about that news before we hear about any more additions. So um, it seems like Jeff Walls is not done, however. Um, it seems like fans are, um, I guess, requesting a true point guard or a post-presence. I think I'm in. I'm in the boat of... Look, let's add as much talent as humanly possible and let's make the fit work afterwards because we're trying to get over the hump and win a national title, which Jeff Walls will do at some point in his career at Louisville. But, um, hey, thanks thanks again for making Locked on Louisville your first listen every day. Uh, tomorrow's episode, we will talk about a possible commitment that is on the horizon for the men's basketball team. We will do probably a mailbag segment and we might have a special guest on the show. Um, but before we get out of here, uh, do yourself a favor. Make your second listen locked on NFL Draft. Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker bring the NFL Draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. So that's going to wrap up this Tuesday edition of the show. Everyone have a great day, and we will see you right back here tomorrow.